0: Well, here we are, three Sundays, into our new uh, series, uh, When He is Bigger. Um, We've uh, moved from a series from Judges, where the book of Judges was really taking a look at what does it look like when God's people are not who they believe God is? What does it look like when He is not who He says He is? And uh, we saw that, spent that time in there, and it was dark, it's hard, it's like walking away from that, going, listen, we don't want to be that, right? We, we don't want to be that kind of people. Um, we want to be something different. And so we entered into this series of, uh, so what does it look like? What does it, in fact, look like for God's people to be walking along and seeing Him big, As He is. So a couple Sundays ago, we started with He's Bigger Than My Mission. Uh, Last Sunday, He was Bigger Than My Daily Grind, taking Noah and taking a look at that. Today, we are When He Is Bigger Than My Expectations. I want for you to understand these first three, four Sundays are kind of building grounds, building some base for that. And uh, we're going to get into some more specific reality situations, but I'm really building a base for us ahead, some things we need to understand if God is to be big in, in our lives, in our church. Uh, expectations, the word expectation, I'm actually going to be using it this Sunday and next Sunday as well for uh, our time together. Uh, what does the word mean? In the dictionary, it talks about expectation as we're using it here, is having a proper consideration of, having a proper consideration of, having a proper reasoning of something or someone it's having a proper expectation, a proper reasoning of. And the fact is, if we're going to live like he is, uh, who he says that he is, we must have a proper reasoning of God. We must have a proper consideration of life. Because the reality is, is, if you could say it, it's like, who is God and what is life about? That's really what we're kind of touching on in these two Sundays. So today is our expectations of God and we're going to be taking a look at next Sunday our expectations of life. We'll be, next Sunday be going to uh, Joseph with that. We might say it this way in a question. Uh, what are your expectations of God? What are your expectations of God? What is your consideration of God? What is your reasoning of God? Uh, and next Sunday, what are your expectations of life? I think we would agree those are two really huge issues That We're going to think through so we're doing that we need a proper consideration of a proper reasoning of God And so we're going to do that today and as we're doing in each of these weeks We're going to be going to an individual and put flesh to this We want to see someone in real life wrestle through it So today we're going to go to the life of Abraham the life of Abraham So with that open your Bibles turn to Genesis chapter 12 Let's start there, the life of Abraham, we're looking at who is God, who, what are my expectations of God in real life. And God, I just pray as we dive in that you would show yourself great. Right, church? Oh, Lord, we want to see see who he is more and more. So Genesis chapter 12, you there? All right, let's uh, go to the first four verses, Genesis chapter 12, uh, kind of uh, before this, Uh Abram, some guy walking around, In verse 1, Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you, and I will make you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So Abram went... As the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him, and Abram was how old? Yeah, empty nester. No, 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 no not quite yet. Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. Okay, let, let's take a couple things with this uh, uh, as we look at this. Um, Abram is just living his life. We don't really know much about Abram at all at this point. It's just like he's doing life, he's uh, uh, doing life, and God sovereignly shows up. Uh, wouldn't that be kind of cool, like this, and God speaks? Um, that would really be cool. Uh, that's what happened with Abram. Uh, a few things that is said here. Number one, he says, you and your family are to go from your country, your home, to another land. Note in it, it says, I will tell you that land. He doesn't tell them, hey, it's time to go to Tennessee. He doesn't say where. He just says, I want for you to go. Uh, that's an interesting call. Um, I want you to go. Uh, I was not expecting that if I would have been Abram. I mean, here you are just doing life, and God all of a sudden shows up, and then God says, hey, I want for you to grab your family and just go to somewhere. Where? I'll tell you. I would not do it that way. Right? Right? I mean, I would be like, let me explain all the reasoning behind, it. we'll touch on that here in just a second, but, but it's kind of like in this already, it's like, hey, I just want you to go, and, uh, and I'll tell you where a little bit later, I wasn't expecting that from God. Secondly, I will make you a great nation, I will make you a great nation, I mean, can you imagine that? There you are. Again, we don't know much about Abram. We just know he's this guy. We honestly, we don't even know if he was a Yahweh follower or not at this point in time. And yet God just sovereignly shows up kind of like a Damascus, on the road to Damascus, Paul kind of thing. And and God just shows up to him and and he says, uh, I'm going to make you a great nation. That's the moment in the heat of the desert where I'd probably be like, hey, have we been drinking enough water here, or are we kind of losing our mind with what's going on here? I got to tell you, I, I was not expecting that of God. I would not expect that to happen in my life. I, I don't think any of us are expecting that to happen, is it? I, I mean, are you expecting you to walk out of here and God to show up and say, hey, I'm going to make you a great nation? Uh, if you are, um, talk with one of the other pastors. Um <laughs> <laughs> Number three. That was loving, wasn't it? Number three. Okay, and then he says in here, he says, I will bless you, I will make your name great. That's really cool. But again, what's so intriguing about Abram is I don't think Abram was expecting that. We we get no clue ever of anything ever said about Abram, that Abram was waiting for God to show up, and that Abram was expecting that he would be a greatly used man. I just didn't expect this of God. I I would expect that God to pick someone that's really well-known and really has proved himself and all this. But I don't know. I just wouldn't expect that. Number four, he says, I will bless those who bless you. And from you, all families on earth will be blessed. I don't think anyone's thinking that in this room or expecting that of yourself or expecting God to do that, to be able to say to you, hey, I just want for you to know I am going to use you to bless all families on earth. I don't think anyone's expecting that, thinking that. And frankly, I don't think Abraham was either. I just have to say when I read this, and when you really understand what's going on in the setting of this, which we don't know a whole lot about, I just have to go, I never would have expected this of God. Why do I say that? I never would have expected this of God because that's not the way I would have done it. True? True? Listen, friends, we're going to this point. We tend to want to make God just like ourselves. We expect God to think like ourselves, to act like ourselves, and for the goals that we would set. And when God doesn't function in what seems rational and expected, we all know We begin to wonder about God, right? Why? Because God isn't thinking like I think. And when you look at this, I just go, who would have expected that? To just grab some guy. Why Abram? Why did God tell him this? I mean, why now? Why not in chapter 11? Why not later? Why will all families be blessed through him? What does that even mean? Why will those who curse this guy be dishonored? Why is that? I think we can all agree. If you were 75 years old and all this happened, it would be a pretty unexpected day, right? Pretty unexpected day. Well, before we go to chapter 22, uh, turn to a page, go over to chapter 15. Let me read the first three verses here. Chapter 15. It says, After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Fear not, Abram, I am your shield. Your reward shall be very great. That's cool, verse 2. But Abram said, O Lord God, what will you give me? For I continue childless, and the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus. And Abram said, Behold, you have given me no offspring, and a member of my household will be my heir. L- listen, okay, connect the dots chapter 12, I am going to make you into a great nation. Expectation, you have to have a child, at least one, for the line to carry on, correct? I mean, that's what we would expect. That's how we would think it through, and that's exactly what Abraham is thinking. And chapter 15 is like, hey, uh, God, can we talk? Because like you said, you are going to raise a nation out of me. And to have a nation, nations usually include a lot of people. And my wife and I don't have any people. You aware of that? By the way, chapter 16, we find out at that time that it's been about 10 years since chapter 12. What exact time period is this in chapter 15? I don't know. But it's probably close to 10 years. That makes it even more. Understandable why Abram's like, what? I mean, because I got to tell you, I could understand maybe a year, I could understand maybe two years. Some of you may even know of that experience where you're wanting to have children, and it's just, Lord's not having that happen at the moment. And as time goes on, you start wondering, at what year is it going to be when Abraham and Sarah, oh, by the way, how, how old? Oh, yeah, Abram's like really old. And they're not having a child. And I love the fact that in all of this, Abraham is like, God, um, I'm not expecting what's going on from you. I was expecting, like, to have a child, right? Because you promised. You said something would take place and it's not happening the way that I thought. I never expected that, God. But by the way, in the context, God still promises that it's going to happen in verse 6 and he believed the Lord. Now turn to Genesis 22. As you're turning there, I want to just note that between chapters 12 and 22, um, Abraham uh, was not uh, the sharpest guy for God all the time. Um, Chapter 12 even, he's traveling with his family from Egypt, and they're in a, uh, a famine at the time. They're going to Egypt for food, and they get near Egypt, and really, it's kind of fun to read the text, and funny at the same time. He's reading the text, and he's like, hey, uh, uh, modern-day translation, hey, we're coming into Egypt. My wife's really hot, and I mean, the text talks about she's really good-looking, and he's like, he's really concerned that he gets there. They're going to take his wife because she's a 10, and and uh, going to take it for Pharaoh and and all this, and so he, he ends up coming up with this great idea called a lie, and uh it it says that he's his sister, and there's a whole story behind that, and and Abram's a liar. Also, chapter 16, Abram and Sarah still don't have a child, so, you you know, that they're still struggling with this whole thing, and and with what's going on, so it's like, you know what, God's not showing up in this, and God's not doing what God should do, so we need to take this into our own hands, and so it's kind of like, can you imagine this? It's like, here's this couple, they're like working this out, and they're like, hey, I know, hey, honey, why don't you sleep with the uh, servant girl, and Oh child that way, and awkward and uh yeah, that's not real great, then chapter twenty again, uh, the whole thing with the lion calling him with king Abimelech calling uh um his Sarah, his wife, his sister, he does it again, and uh, i I bring all this up because I want to be an encouragement to us. Oftentimes we think that God picks the really holy ones that have no sin and error and don't do some really bad stuff. But listen, Abraham is a liar and a a planned sleeper with her. And uh, can I just say it this way? He's no super saint. Be encouraged. Because God's still going to use him. And I have to say this. I never would have expected that. I never would have expected that of God. I mean, why does God put up with people like Abraham to do his... Oh, okay, Genesis 22. Genesis 21, Isaac is born. Big deal. That's really cool, isn't it? Uh, By the way, uh, Abraham is now uh, 100 years old, the text tells us. And um, let's see, 100 minus 75. uh, I'm a pastor. I don't do math very well. What's that? 25. Oh, yeah, that's right. 25 years 25 years since God said, I'm going to be in a nation with you. 25. Can, can I say this? Kind of the business side of me comes in, and I'm like, that was 25 years of wasted, lost time. Right? I mean, think of all that could have happened in those 25 years. I mean, if like God said, I'm going to raise a nation up, like the nation could have gotten moving a lot quicker. In fact, we'd be on the next row of of kin with this. 25 years. I never would have expected that with God. In fact, to me, it kind of seems like God's just toying with Abraham and Sarah. I'm thinking, get on with the program, God. I'm not understanding the benefit of of this delay in it. I mean, if God really wants to bless people, like, come on, get on with it, God, right? Right? I mean, if you're really serious about blessing people, like, get with the program. At least that's the way I would have done it, God. And you're not doing it like I would have done it. Hey, is it not true that God can be confusing at times? He's confusing at times because God does not think like you and I think. Act like you and I think, with the goals that you and I have. Genesis 22. This is crazy. Verse 1. After these things, that's what I wanted to tell you, after all these things, God tested Abraham. That's not nice. I mean, seriously, after all this time, I would not have expected that. God tested Abraham, and he said to Abraham, here here am I. I'm sorry. And he said to him, Abraham, and Abraham said, here am I. I I always love those things in Scripture. It's like, why did you put that in there? (laughs) That's totally random. Uh, Verse 2, and he said, God said, take your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love Isn't that interesting? God knows he has a son. God knows he's his only son with Sarah. And God knows that uh, uh, Abram loves his son. And go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering. Are you kidding me? It just got... I don't know how else to say it. Disgusting. Friends, I think we lose sense at times of what's really going on with stories in Scripture. I mean, God is not saying take him there and have a father to son boy scout commitment moment. God is not saying go there and and with your son have a breakfast out and and, and have a dedication time unto the Lord that you are now passing on the the baton to him as as a man in all of this. That's not what's going on here. God is saying, Abraham, take your son and uh, picture it. You need to. Take your son laying on a pile of wood... And burn him. Do we realize to people who don't know the Bible or the God of the Bible. How passages like this just cause them to go. I don't even want to know that God. do you, do you do you see the disgustingness of it the, the the brashness of it the 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 nothing like us in that who would ask that to happen and you may say, well, doug men over history have done that but but I got to tell you, we're talking God now by the way, it's interesting offering their burnt offering on the mountains of which I will tell you just like the original call he doesn't tell him where he says go to the land of Moriah but but it's kind of I'm going to tell you where exactly in it I did not expect this of God. I wouldn't have done it this way. What 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 is the reasoning for an act like this? What possible benefit can come out of something like this? What goal would be set to accomplish this. And why does that goal have to have this as a requirement? And by the way, we see nowhere in the text that God like winked at him. Go sacrifice Isaac. Verse 3. So Abram rose early in the morning, saddled his donkey, took two of his young men with him, and his son Isaac. By the way, you need to understand here, I think oftentimes the picture, at least and I remember back in Sunday school with flannel graph, I love those, flannel graph in the day that usually at this time Isaac in this story is, is kind of like a little boy. Uh, we're not exactly told his age and I don't have the time to go through it, but you need to understand Isaac is, is I would say for sure a teenager by this time, if not twenty early 20s at this time that changes things and so abram rises up early in the morning saddles his donkey gets his young men gets his his teenage 20 year old son And he cut the wood for the burnt offering. Uh, Friends, do not go past that too fast. It's kind of like Genesis 6. You need to understand the hundred years of the daily grind of Noah to understand uh, so much of life. And yet here in it, Abraham is chopping the wood that is going to burn his son. Can you imagine that? How interesting. Why didn't he ask his servants to do that? Something's going on within this guy that he's not passing off the chop the wood for the act off. He's doing it himself. It's like he has to do this, he has to own this whole thing. And they arose and they went to the place which God had told them, probably a three day journey can you imagine that journey what in the world is going through your mind remember luke and i our son um kind of for a big uh, activity of life together we we went uh, fishing up in alaska thing and getting ready for that and we had to like buy fishing poles and i guess that's what you had to use right And so we had to do that and get some things together and getting on the trip and going up and flying in. And and it was actually a few days of travel to get where we were going. It it literally was trains, planes, and automobiles and taking the jet up and then a small one landing on a gravel strip. Oh, that's so cool. And then staying overnight in this guy's house and out back he has like 20 Dogs that he would do the Iditarod Iditarod race with, and and then we took a boat for it was an hour ride along the coast. There was no one in for a forty mile radius. It was a crazy cool trip together. Lots of really cool thoughts. just on the travel, and I come to this, and I go, what is that dad thinking? They're eating breakfast on day two, and he knows what's going to happen on day three. They have dinner day two, and he knows what day three is going to happen. You cannot tell me on that trip, somewhere along the line, Abraham is like, what is God doing? Right? I mean, unless he's unhuman, but we've already learned, oh, he's human. And he's wrestling with this whole thing. Oh, I can't even fathom it. What verse are we in? On the third day, Abram lifted up his eyes and saw the place from afar. Then Abram said to his young men, "Stay here with the donkey. I and the boy—by the way, it's really not a good word. The Hebrew word—it it just gives the idea that it's like a, you know, elementary school or a little boy. That's not the case. It's—it's—it's it's, it's a young man. We'll go over there, and we're going to go over there and worship. Isn't that interesting? And then we're going to come again to you." And Abram took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac, his son. Uh, by the way, not to sacrifice him yet, he's putting the wood on Isaac's back for him to carry it. Can you imagine that? By the way, the picture of that is really interesting, isn't it? Here, Abraham is loading this pack with the wood. And Isaac... This teen young man is carrying the wood upon which he is going to be laid. And so they went, both of them together. Wow. Verse 7 And Isaac said to his father Abram, My father. And he said, here, here am I, my son. And he said, Behold, the fire in the wood. Where is the lamb for a burnt offering? Now we understand that Isaac does not know what's going on yet, right? I mean, he's no dummy. It's like, hey, hey, dad, got the wood? Kind of heading over? I understand we're having this special time thing going on. There's no lamb to sacrifice. Where's the lamb? Well, how do you answer that one? Verse 7. Uh, I'm sorry. Uh, um, end of seven. Hey, friend, sorry, it's been a long week of teaching for me, so I'm a little bit, not quite fully sharp. And he said, I'm never quite sharp. That's all right. And he said, here I am, my son. And he said, behold, the fire of the wood, but where is the lamp for that? Verse eight. And Abraham said, God will provide. Underline that. Now we understand what Abraham is thinking. God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering, my son. So they went, both of them together. Uh, uh, We'll come back here. Turn to Hebrews uh, chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11. He knows God will provide, but but what else is going on in, in Abraham's mind here? Let's pick it up here. Hebrews 11, chapter of faith the hall of faith. We learn so much about what's going on, but we're going to find out what else is happening. Verse 17, chapter 11 of Hebrews, it says, "...by faith," wow, that's huge." By faith, what is faith? Beginning of chapter, faith. Faith is believing the assurance of things, hope for the conviction of things not seen. By that, Abram, when he was tested, offered up Isaac, he who had received the promises, was in the act of offering up his only son, of whom it was said, uh, through Isaac your off- offspring shall be named. Verse 19, he considered that God was able circle it, underline it, highlight it. He considered, he had the right expectation that God was able. Able to do what? Able to raise him from the dead. Oh, wait a second. That's really big deal because if you know the rest of the Abraham and Isaac story, You're going to think, oh, he believed that God was going to provide a ram and he never would kill him. No, no, no. Look at the text. Abraham believes that God is able, his expectation of God is that God can raise him from the dead. Abraham was thinking his son would die and God would be able to take care of it. I never would have expected that of Abraham. Why? Because I don't think I would expect that of me. And that's the problem. God is just like me too often. Friends, God is just like you in your mind far too often. Abram considered God is able. To take this insane thing and make it amazing. He is able. No wonder God didn't ask me to do that with my son. I don't think I would have done it. Just gonna tell you straight up why. Because God's not big enough in my mind and likely you as well. Listen, uh, there there are times where you have to look at people in the Scripture and be amazed by them. And here, this is properly to be amazed by Abraham from the fact of his faith in God. His view of God, his expectation of God, was God was big enough that even if he did what God told him to kill his son as a sacrifice, God was going to raise him for... I don't think I would have thought of that. Let's keep reading verse 9. When they came to the place of which God had told him, Abraham built the altar there. Oh, can you imagine that? And laid the wood in order there. And he bound Isaac, his son, and laid him on the altar. Okay, at what point is Isaac going, This isn't turning out the way I thought? (laughs) True? True? Because then part of the big deal is understanding he's not like the five-year-old. I mean, he's, he's just, there's too many things in the, in, the, in, in, in the text and the structure and the movement and even when Sarah dies and all these kinds of things that, that tell us that, that he's likely at least a teenager. And, and, and I have to ask the question in all of this, Isaac, at what point are you going to run? I don't know how all this went down, but I have to end this. I just, there's, there's more questions. I have more questions than, than we're told of. And I think part of that's on purpose to cause us to, to get into it and to consider it and to think it through. And not just zing right past it, but, but, but cause us to ask these kinds of questions like, what was Isaac's view of God right at this point? I think Isaac is like, was not expecting this. <laughs> no. Abraham built the altar, wood at the altar, bound Isaac, his son, and laid him on the altar. The picture of it even tells us, on top of the wood. Then Abraham reached out his hand and took the knife to slaughter his son. (laughs) Crazy, right? He was ready to bring the hammer down. Why? Because he had the expectation that what God said, God was going to do. And even if that meant, out of the request, that he kills and burns up his son as a sacrifice to the Lord, he had in his mind the understanding that God is big. This is, is the opposite of the book of Judges. You seeing it? This is someone who sees God big, doesn't just talk about it or think about it or even uh, theologize about it. They see him so big that he would do this, verse 11, but the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven, I don't know, was the knife on the way down, back, what, it was close, and said, Abraham, Abraham, and he said, here I am, sir, (laughs) I think these are just funny in there, sorry, he said, here I am, and he said, do not lay your hand on the boy or do anything to him, for now I know that you are God. Seeing you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. Loved ones with us, this is a time to where if you've heard the story again and again, you don't realize how if you were to read it the first time, you would not expect this at this point. I mean, God said do it. And then right at this point, he's ready to bring the knife down and whoom, God, it's like, well, didn't expect that. Verse 13, and Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, behind him was a ram. What's a ram? A ram is a male lamb. Let's spend time with that. Caught in a thicket by his horns. That's a coinky dink. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up as a burnt offering instead of his son. At what point in there are they going, whoo, whoo. Right? At what point is Isaac like, seriously, dad? You are really going to bring it on me? (laughs) And he's like, serious, son? Serious, dad? It's crazy. So Abraham (laughs) called the name of that place, love it, the Lord will provide. By the way, The Lord could have let it go through and the knife come down and him be killed and him be burnt and him be sacrificed. And the Lord could have done something completely different. Don't take a passage like this into prosperity gospel world and that God will spare you from every little piece of potential problem. Don't think that way because we're going to Job later in the series. It very well could have been, but in God's sovereign warrior pursuer of who he is, he stops it at this point. I just have to say, I never would have expected all of this from God. I would not have expected him to show up and call Abraham. I would not have expected him to ask for Abraham to do this. friends, God is bigger than you and me. In Judges, we saw God's people not living like God is who He is. Here, I think we are seeing an individual and uh, two individuals here. By the way, don't you wonder about that? What's Sarah saying at home? (laughs) But in all this, This is someone who is like more of this in us. More. And what I mean by that is this. What do we grab out of this? We need to grab out of this that he is much bigger than our expectations. In fact, turn to Isaiah 55, middle of your Bible. Isaiah 55, I think it's page 615 in, in the Bibles behind the seats if you're using one of those. Because I asked, okay, that's that's the story, the event. Did it really happen? Yes, I totally believe it. Totally happened, and and all of that. And and so, what can we gain from that? What can we see from that? Can you put it together in a couple tidbits here? Yeah, here's the tidbits, uh, building off of Isaiah 55. I love the way it says it. Uh, Verse one, start there. It says, "Come, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters." By the way, that, that, that's part of the start of Isaiah 55. It's kind of this invitation. Come, come, you thirsty? And, and I hope the story of Abraham and Isaac here causes us to be thirsty. Yeah, we're thirsty, Lord. We're, we're really thirsty. Get, give, us, give us some water of who you are. Now, now, now go to verse 8. And God declares, for my thoughts are not your thoughts. Neither are your ways my ways declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Hey, three things to know. Today is about I want you to walk out knowing something. Number one, the Lord's thoughts are higher. If we are going to be a people, if you and I are going to be individuals who live like He is big in our lives, we need to work on understanding and continually grasping the reality that, listen, friends, His thoughts are higher, and His thoughts are higher than your thoughts. Secondly, you need to know that the Lord's means are greater. Whoever would have thought he would have put a ram right there. But the Lord provided the sacrifice. His means are not your means. We were in a parenting conference Friday evening and Saturday morning. and One of the things that we so often want to do is we we want to go in and hardwire our kids' hearts in a certain way, don't we? I I mean, if we could, I would so go in and hardwire... Every kid would love the Lord with all their heart, all their soul, all their mind. But here's one of the frustrating things you learn as a parent. You can't do that. You don't have the ability. Ephesians 6, 4, we're to raise them up, we're to shepherd them towards, we're to point them at, we're to be working and pouring our life into into trying to to, to help them see that the Lord is good, that come to Jesus as your Savior and walk in Him, and and we're, we're shepherding them, we're moving them towards that, but there's not a time. We don't have the ability to get in and connect it. It's a them and the Lord thing. And even when they leave home one day, it's their choice. And in it, it's the type of thing, friends, that we have thoughts, we have means, but God's thoughts are greater and His means are greater. I don't know what you're going through right now, but you need to know He knows, and his thoughts are higher. Oh, and also, his means are greater. And thirdly, his goals are superior. I wouldn't have done it this way. I would just say this. I wouldn't have done any of this this way but God's thoughts are higher his means are greater and his goals are superior this whole thing with Abraham was a testing of his faith and we're like I wouldn't have done it that way no 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 but his goals are higher they are superior they are greater And the fact is, is I've just this week with this, here's the reality. We tend to humanize God. And we tend to make him look just like ourselves. So that he thinks like me, his means are my means, and his goals are my goals. But that's a lie. That's an improper expectation. That's not a right reasoning expectation, consideration of who God is. The reality is, is that his thoughts are higher, way higher, way higher, way higher. And so when we come to things even like this in Scripture where we go, well, what was God thinking? Answer, not what you and I think. Because his thinking is in the stratosphere. And his means are Greater. And honestly, I think the hardest one is his goals are superior. Romans 8, 28, and 29. And we know that all things work together for good. We have a tendency to grab that and make that good, what's comfy and cozy and nice for us. No, 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 but chapter, or I'm sorry, verse 29 is the explanation. Verse 29 says that that we would be conformed to the image of Christ. What was God doing with Abraham? Conforming him? Maturing him? Shaping him? I wouldn't have done it that way. I know. That's why none of us are God. But we wrestle to make him just like us, don't we? And I call us this way. We need to change our expectations into a proper expectation of who He is. Into a right expectation of who He is. And in maybe the struggle or the pain that you're going through right now, His thoughts are higher. His means are greater. His goal is superior. You can continue knowing that. By the way, I want to use this to transition into this. Let's take all this to the foot of the cross. Okay? Whoever would have thought that God would Himself come and step into our situation. And whoever would have thought God in the flesh that came would ever be crucified on a cross. Whoever would have thought that? Whoever would have thought that the goal of all of that was that God, the Godhead, would provide the opportunity for full redemption in Him? Whoever would have thought of that? Uh, He did. Whoever would have had the means to do that? Only he had the means. Only he was the perfect sacrifice. Whoever would have had the goals to accomplish all this? Well, he did. When we were sinners, Christ died for us. Do have the communion? Servers come and get in place, and this is just a perfect time to have communion together. To take this and to remember that, friends, in this reality of things that... Uh, That when we take the the bread and the cup, we are remembering the grandness of who He is. That He came. That He died. that He rose again. Whoever would have thought that. Whoever had the means to do that. Whoever could accomplish that. Only Him. Listen, if you know Christ as your Savior, if there's been a time to where you've come to understand that you're a sinner separated from God. You're in need of a Savior and as the Bible says, as many as received Him, to them He gave the right to become children of God and receive the gift that is available to you. This is a time to remember what He has done. This is a time to remember how He has thought. And this is a time to remember what He has accomplished. If you know Christ as your Savior, come and grab the bread, grab the cup, go back to your seat and here in just a couple we'll we'll partake together remembering The magnitude, the marvelousness of our Savior.